Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just head over to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP2. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free today at GetFreshBooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This week on TWIP, a Pulitzer Prize-winning Associated Press photographer is fired for cloning, the JPEG standard goes lossless, Hasselblad announces a $12,000 DSLR, plus an interview with landscape photographers Jay and Verena Patel, along with Brent Mail and Johnny Spencer. It's Wednesday, February 4th, 2014, and this is TWIP. All right, guys, welcome back to TWIP, a.k.a. This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss some of the cool topics in the photography world happening this week and maybe last week or this month are Mr. Yevgeny Chabotarov and Miss Darlene Hildebrandt. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, Frederick. Welcome back. Welcome back. Darlene, let's start. You know what? I think maybe Yevgeny hasn't been on in the longest. Yevgeny, what have you been up to? What's going on with 500 picks? What's the, what's, you, uh... you guys own the world yet? Not yet. We're still working on that. It's it's probably will take another uh, couple months. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a couple we'll months, see. maybe. Yeah, by maybe. the end of 2014. Yeah, maybe. So been working on a lot of new cool stuff uh, that's been rolling out uh, steadily, uh, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about updates uh, maybe afterwards. But there's been new profiles for all the users. There's updates to the uh, uploading and organizer. It's gonna be like so much better than it is right now. Cool. Uh, you will be able to upload from your mobile phone, so from the iPhone. Uh, really? We'll be able to put your photos on 500px. Wait a minute, uh, and, come on. Wait, wait. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but the, when I look at 500px, I think, or when I think 500px, I think gorgeous, yeah. beautiful, like... I'm gonna put my best foot forward type imagery. Yep. Not, I mean, not to not to degrade or put down iPhone or iPhoneography as they call it, but I don't think iPhone snapshots on 500 pics. Imagine yourself on any of the photo trips that you've taken, right? And people with like expensive cameras, 70 to the 100, 2.8, whatever, are somewhere, right? And the first thing they do when they get on the spot is pull up their iPhones and take a couple of shots and put it on Instagram or like Twitter or whatever. Yeah. This, because otherwise, there are other shots on D800s, D4s or whatever will get published maybe in like months, maybe in a year. Yeah, yeah but, that's you know, right. How long is it going to take you to put your, like to process all that, to edit and publish that? It takes more and more time. So people have less and less time uh, to do that. Yeah, and... Uh, a couple, a couple of months ago, I got my camera stolen, uh, my D800, my lenses, oh. so I was left without any camera, and I was shooting uh, with uh, Nokia uh, 1520, really mm -hmm. nice camera, 20, meg 20 megapixel sensor, 
and it's 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 amazing what you can capture with that. So yeah. it's changing. So yeah, the world, we we got to dive into that. I know that's not we didn't put that in the show notes, but I definitely want to talk about that because there's sure. there might be another area that you didn't consider that might be awesome. Uh, maybe another way for for photographers to share uh, now that you're you're opening up to iPhone upload. So let's let's talk about that a little bit later. Sure. Also on the yeah. show is Ms. Darlene Hildebrandt from Digital Photography School and her view and all other kinds of photography related places. Welcome back, Darlene. Hey, Frederick. Uh, so yeah, I got a ton of stuff going on. I uh, let me just see if I can get for those of you that are watching the video. I just came back from Cuba. Cuba, of course. Wait, is it and, Cuba uh, or Cuba? Well, there they say it Cuba. It's Cuba. Right? Cuba. Uh, and of course, you know, I have some artifacts, some nice uh, bottles of rum, and uh, various. You gotta, you gotta drink things. some of that rum. You can't just show it. You gotta <laughs> take a swig. It's in of my it. coffee. It's in my coffee. Nice. We're good. We're good. <laughs> you want me to just take a swig out of the bottle? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, we uh, we had nine people on our photo tour of Cuba. Had an amazing time. We did some really cool, fun things and uh, portraits of people in in uh, some small towns and stuff. We met some amazing people. You know, honestly, we kept hearing the thing that was most surprising to us was we kept hearing that there was bad food in Cuba. We did not have bad food a single time, like not mm -hmm. once. Um, and I think the experience that we had was we stayed in in casas which are like their version of a bed and breakfast mm -hmm. and we ate at the casas a lot of times so homemade meals by the people like okay seriously I had lobster for 10 bucks wow. we're not talking a piece of lobster I had two pieces of lobster as big as my palm for Jeez. 10 bucks That's, as well yeah. as sweet potatoes puff, puffed something sweet potatoes as rice and beans and a salad and a you know and then a, a mojito for a dollar fifty Right? Where where can you get that? Uh, um, so yeah, we ate like kings. Me. I'm hungry. I haven't had dinner yet. You're <laughs> I know. Me either. I'm killing myself. <laughs> so <laughs> we had no bad had food. <laughs> we had no bad food. Um, I've got some photos up on Google Plus. Uh, I put the link to the photo teaser. I called it in the in the show notes for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, there'll be more to come. But I was up last night till 3 a.m. downloading my photos. I have 3,260 photos, 80 gigs worth of photos. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, it's um to say it's a photographer's paradise is to not even touch the surface. Like, I mean, you turn around and there's a photo everywhere, like everywhere. Wow. Wow. And most of the people are really happy to be photographed. Of course, some of them want to be paid, you know. But uh, considering that the cost of what it is to go there and the fact that their houses cost the price of what our camera is that we're carrying around, you know, like the average house is eight to ten thousand dollars. The average wage there is twenty six dollars a week. Wow. I kid wow. you not, right? So put it all in perspective. To pay them a peso to take their photo, I have no problem with that. Wow, that's crazy. You know? That's crazy. Yeah. So cool. we're here for. So you had a good uh, time. You had a yeah, good time. Yeah. Yeah. We're here for a couple of weeks and then we uh, we head off to Nicaragua and do it all again. Wow, that's crazy. And yeah. what's going to happen in Nicaragua? How many do you, are you? This is a workshop, are, right? Is it all full? This is a this is a photo tour. We're full with twelve people, and mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a scouting mission. So we're figuring it out as we go, and uh, we'll do it again probably next year with uh, another twelve, and um, go from there. But uh, you mentioned Herview Photography, and I just wanted to say that we also have the new website. So it's now oh. digitalphotomentor.com. Oh, cool. Cool. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's all launched and ready to go? It is ready to go. All right. It well, is, it, it is going. It's going. It's rolling. It's serving up pages and bits, right? 
You got it. Well, cool. Well, welcome both of you guys on the show. Before we before we jump into the news, actually, my quick news. I have a little news too. So in um, next month in March, I'm heading to WPPI to do a series of interviews with kind of high profile industry movers and shakers like you guys, basically. Um, from the Panasonic booth on the show floor at WPPI in Vegas. So if you are planning to go to Vegas, please swing by the booth and say hello to me and, you know, and uh, you know, watch us talk about all things photography. A lot of it will be mirrorless, but a lot of it will be, you know, just, you know, I plan on talking about wedding workflow from soup to nuts, wedding and portrait workflow because it's that show, right? So business, uh, post-processing, getting clients, interacting with clients, all that cool stuff. We may get Jared uh, Bauman from Shoot.Edit on the stage there. I'm trying to get Peter Hurley on again. I interviewed him earlier today, so I'm going to try to get him on the stage. You know, it's uh, it's going to be a good time, so definitely swing by and check out the booth. If hey, you are you going to get to meet Mr. Bruce Clark in person? Is he going? I don't know if Bruce is going. He might. That, that would be awesome. It's there his you show, go. right? He's a wedding and portrait photographer. Yeah. For I those of you up. who don't know who Bruce Clark is, Bruce Clark is the guy, or one of the guys, and now the guy behind the show notes for This Week in Photo. So all the stuff that we're going to be talking about that I seem to be, you know, really intelligent as I go through the show, it's because of Bruce. <laughs> he puts it all together, and I just go through the motions, and, you know, I call myself the meat puppet as we as we walk through the show. You know what? Okay. For the cure, the worst, because I was at CES, yeah. and I didn't get to see you. You were at CES? Oh. I was at CES, yeah. You get, I was at CES, yeah. I was at Imaging USA, I was at Photo Plus, and then WPPI is the next show, so... You, know. you, you were at CES, and I was at NMX, which was right before that, so we were probably in Vegas at the same time, and um. I didn't see you either. Yeah, see, we, we got We got We have a coordination issue. Yeah, we got to talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go to New Media Expo is what you were at, right? I wanted to go to yeah. that. Yeah, I, I actually spoke. Yeah, I, I, of course, you know. But I, uh, I just did not have time to go to that. I wish I could have. All right, guys. Before we jump into some of the stories that we're going to be talking about this week, I want to thank one of our sponsors for this episode of Twip, and the first one is Squarespace.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP2. The new Squarespace metric app for iPhone and iPad allows you to check site stats like page views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And with the blog app, you can make text updates, tap and drag images to change layouts, and you can monitor comments on the go. You can start a free trial with no credit card, and you can start building your website today. Then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code TWIP2 to get 10% off and to show your support for this week in photo. We thank Squarespace for their support. And remember, Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. All right, guys, let's jump into this first story. And this is interesting. I think this might be the bulk of the show here because this is, this is one of those stories that is kind of right on the edge of controversy and people seem to be polarized about this. So the gist of it is, let me really read what Bruce Clark put into the show notes. He put in here, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Associated Press cut ties with Pulitzer Prize winning photographer Norisco Contreras after he revealed to them that he had digitally altered an image of an opposition fighter in the ongoing Syrian civil war 
the AP's zero tolerance policy for photoshopping images found Contreras in its crosshairs despite his claim that he did not try to hide his mistake. So basically what he did was uh, the photo had another one of his colleagues' video camera in the bottom left corner. We'll link to it. In the bottom left corner of the photo, and, you know, it, that wasn't the subject of the image, so he took the took the video camera out. It was kind of just peeking in the bottom left corner, and he took it out. And AP, after he told AP, said, you know, hey, guys, by the way, I took that camera out. They said, well, we have zero tolerance, so you're out of here, dude. So, Darlene, I'm going to throw it to you first on this. First of all, where do you fall on this? Should he have been fired for this? Uh, and, you know, it, where's the line? Tough call, you know? I mean, I think that AP made a stand as rules are rules, you know? And if it's if it's journalism and the rule is no editing, um, one of the articles that I read said, you know, if he had simply just cropped the image instead mm -hmm. of cloning it out, that would have been acceptable because cropping is, is not considering altering, right? He's mm -hmm. just getting rid of some pixels. Mm -hmm. But he chose to clone it out, and then, of course, he, you know, admitted it. I think it would have been even worse had he tried to lie about it, and then, you know, the backlash would have been even out. worse. But, it, but right. he could have he not said anything because, like, looking at the, the finished Photoshop image, this wasn't an integral part of the photo, so no one... In my opinion, no one would have known. So I but think I think, he, like, they, like I said, the AP made a stand on the fact that the editing it, no editing, right? So yeah. they probably had much debate and discussion about it internally, I'm sure, before they made this decision because he's a well, you know, known guy sure. with with the press, and for them to out him like that is a big deal. So I'm sure they thought it long and hard about it, but they if they if they didn't. What would be the repercussions the other way, right? I, don't know. Like I think the then, repercussions you know? would be: Why don't you take a look at your rules? Because, you know, is it is it more about? I mean, you they could have put a, something in there. This is just my opinion, obviously, and I I I respect them saying, you know, we have rules and we're standing by that. So that notwithstanding, they could have maybe just said, okay, uh, for photojournalists going forward, if this image has been edited in some way, we're gonna flag it you know, down here at the bottom, if it doesn't substantively, you know, detract from the story itself. Because it, it was it was an aesthetic thing, you know, it was just distracting in the corner. So, I don't know, Evgeny, you, you've seen the photo, you know, what, what do you think about this? Was AP in the right, AP in the wrong? Uh, first of all, you're asking a guy who runs the site with a lot of photoshopped photos. <laughs> <laughs> So, You're like, so they, should have put, they should have put a spaceship in the background. It would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, and some la uh, lasers uh, from it, I guess. But but uh, I think the standing up for integrity and standing up for... I mean, journalism is tricky, right? Like, you, you can use the wide-angle lens or you can turn the other way. And there's a lot of photos uh, where you see... Uh, other photographers taking photos of other photographers, mm -hmm. like the girl in Haiti, and uh, it, it just looks horrible when you see like a swarm of photographers taking photo of someone. And I know it happens all the time. Like you know, you everybody likes b backstage and like get a get a sense of what what it's like. Uh, but I agree that you know changing the uh, it doesn't change the photo whether it, there is a video camera in the back or not. Mm -hmm. uh, and if the policy of AP is to have non-Photoshop photos, that I'm totally behind because you want to see like more or less real picture of what's happening. Hopefully, 
hopefully more objective picture, we, and that's and that's what photo journalists are all about. Where do you draw the line, though? Because I, I, yeah, I understand that, and I understand the zero tolerance policy. But and and move is it just the act of moving pixels around, or could Photoshop photoshopping an yeah, image into color correction? Because you know the sky wasn't really that saturated that day, but the photographer decided to make it a little bit more saturated. Is that illegal? You know, where where do you draw the line? I don't think it is. I think they are allowed to do color correction, contrast, those kinds of things. Because, I mean, if in the days of darkroom, you could as well, right? Yeah. But, but, but my point is, darling, correction. You say color different. correction. Where's the line of interpretation of color correction? You know, if you... I like my images oversaturated. Is that right. It's correct for me, you know, right. but, but it's, it's not, not how reality the scene looks. anymore. Right. You know? Right. Do they make an HDR out of it and then call it, you know, <laughs> call it a day, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Yeah, where, exactly. Where do you draw the line? I mean, okay, I've been a member of, of PPOC, which is the Canadian Association, mostly portrait wedding. You know, it's the PPA version in Canada. I, I've been a member for 13 years. I'm not anymore. But when digital first started coming out, there was actually digital categories for entering competition versus, okay, there was a portrait category, and then there was a digital portrait category, and mm -hmm. eventually they merged them, right? Yeah. Because it's like, well, a portrait is a portrait, isn't it? So if we're talking about journalists, and I know friends, friends of mine are journalists and have worked for newspapers and so on, and uh, a friend of mine is, is um, you know, Pulitzer nominee in the States as well, and mm. I think that you have to, in terms of maintaining the integrity of journalism, you have to make that stand and you have to say zero tolerance on that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, I agree with the zero tolerance. I'm not arguing that. I'm arguing what does that mean? I mean, where where is the line? I mean, because, like, you know, I was I was using the example of color correction, but what about cropping? You can change the intent of a photo with a simple crop. Is cropping illegal? You know, I mean, do they or is it if you're going to submit? And I I obviously haven't read the rules and regulations for the AP, but is it you will submit to us only your original raw files? You know, and then they will take it from there. If that's the case, then okay, that's cool. I understand that. But if they allow them to do some things. Like you can crop, you can color correct, you can do this, you can do that, but you can't under any circumstances move a pixel. You know, I don't. That's where I don't. I don't understand. You get, you get. What about that? I mean, cropping. You know, is that? Yeah, I don't know. When you talk about cropping, the only image that pops up in my head is the image of soldier, I think, and it, it shows the American uh, soldier giving water to the person. And the other part is that there's a gun to his head. And like right. depending on where the crop is, it's either like American forces are helping or actually like disturbing the, the population. So yeah. it, it, cropping is pretty important. Uh, but where you point your camera and what exactly do you capture is also really important. So, mm -hmm. But it, this part is totally left uh, up for... And you know, putting raw uh, files or whatever the untouched files to the AP would probably be the best choice. Mm -hmm. uh, would probably be the best solution. Is kind of like, hey, here's what's happening. I'm not the judge. Here's the photos that I captured. Like, yeah, go and ahead, let the editors yeah, take let care the of it. Let the editors decide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let the editors take care of it from there. Because I don't know. It's it just seems weird. Because we're it, it's almost like we're in this era where the computer or the tablet or the phone or whatever, the, the post-processing device that takes the images from the capture device is part of the overall equation. I mean, because when you, 
when you import photos, say, into Lightroom, it's using its raw converter to convert those into a JPEG so that you can see them. It's making decisions based on what it thinks that image should look like and what the color balance should be and all that stuff. All that's subjective, but yes. it's, we're but handing it, that over it, to the computer. But it cannot go that far because then uh, we can talk about camera that actually doesn't capture color. Yeah, mm. exactly. So it I, captures grayscale. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the AP website. I just Googled it. You know, Good. so um, yeah. it says here, AP pictures must always tell the truth. We do not alter or digitally manipulate the content of a photograph in any way. The content uh, of a photograph must not be altered in Photoshop or by any other means. No element should be digitally added or subtracted from any photo. The faces or identities of individuals must not be obscured by Photoshop or any editing tool. Only retouching or the use of the cloning tool to eliminate dust or camera sensor scratches um, on digital negatives or scan negatives are acceptable. Minor adjustments in Photoshop are acceptable. These include cropping, dodging, burning, conversion to grayscale, toning and color adjustments that should be limited to minimal um, for clear and accurate reproduction. Uh, to cropping, dodging, and burning are acceptable. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I could change the, the entire image yeah. by cropping down. He could have this photographer, the the AP photographer that got fired. What's what's his name here? Yeah, the where is his name here? Nick Norisco. Yeah. So Norisco could have burned that video camera into the corner to make yep. to obscure it and make well, it. Well, like, but it makes it clear that it says minimal, right? So that it's not changing the original subjective. thing. And then it says right, exactly. Changes in density, color, contrast, saturation that alter the original scene are not acceptable. Backgrounds should not be digitally blurred or eliminated by burning down or aggressive toning. There you go. Yeah. Remo removal of red eye is not permissible. They, they, they knew that Frederick would be reading through that and be like, I would burn that, that video camera. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm the guy that said pixels were born to be punished, so clearly I would not be, uh, I would not be a good AP photographer <laughs> because... You know, I'm just saying. I'm a. Uh, I think, you know, in in terms of photojournalism, in this case, it, unless you know you're, like you were saying, we were saying earlier, Guinea. The for me, I think it should be binary. You know, you shoot it, you give them the raw files, they take it from there. If they want to, they you know, there's a certain body of people there that is tasked with doing the post processing of AP photographs. Those are the people that can make the decisions editorially as image captures. We give them the raw files and it's over. Beyond that, all that crap in there about, you know, what's, what's acceptable cropping is, dodging and burning, all this stuff, that's way too subjective. I mean, especially if you're talking photojournalism and, and all this stuff. From my side, I look at it like, you know, you know, I joke about pixels were born to be punished, but in photojournalism, photo journalism, telling the story through photos. If there's an element in the photo, like a stupid video camera in the bottom left corner that has nothing to do with the overall story and is detracting from the story, I say take it out. You know, it's not, <laughs> I don't know. I don't see what the big deal is, but you know, you know, listeners watching this comment on this post and tell me if I'm, if I'm insane <laughs> or not. <laughs> That's how it used to be. Like my friends that shoot journalism, uh, when they did film, in the days of film, you literally handed your film to the, um, to the editor. Yeah. Some, of them, some of them printed their own and, you know, did their contact sheets, but it was the editor who picked the images and all that stuff. So maybe that's a valid point. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I might be missing something. I don't know. But okay, here's another talking point that we have in here: um, wedding and portrait photography. So all bets are off there, right? Because that's not editorial. That's just you want to make the client look as good as they can possibly be, right, darling? Don't get me started. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting you started. That's the whole point. This, of is, this is a can of worms here, Frederick, because so I got out of weddings um, a few years ago, and I don't do them anymore. I've did them for a number of years, but to me, the trend became to the point where um, there's sort of two two camps now. There's the there's the shoot and burn camp that you know does a wedding for 500 bucks, and here's your disc or you know whatever your yeah. smug mug gallery away you go shoot the burn, right? exactly. And then there's the other side which take the retouching to the nth degree and you end up with plastic people and mm -hmm. there's nothing I hate more than plastic people so I come from the world of, of film obviously um, I'll save my other prop for later I come from the world of film and I was a traditional retoucher so I retouched negatives with a brush and oh, a magnifying wow. glass and, you did that you know, with the little tiny brush and like the little pigments? tiny brush with like three hairs in it, and yeah, I retouched I did that out too. pimply acne senior portraits and all that stuff. Um, right. But the point of the whole retouching it then was to make stuff you know go away, not to make plastic people. And it became the whole okay. The phrase that is you know commonly heard is just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Right? With great so, power comes great responsibility. Exactly. And <laughs> also comes great power to really ruin it. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that there's a really tendency in the wedding industry to overdo. And that concludes portrait as well. So we should have this conversation again after you go to WPPI. Go look at all the competition entries and then we'll talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Maybe we should meet up at WPPI and do an interview. I'm not, going. I'm not going. You're not going? I'll be in Nicaragua. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry, that's cool. I'll be on the... That's cooler. <laughs> that's cooler. I don't know, Yevgeny, what about you? You know, looking at 500 picks, you know, some of the, some of the shots up there are artistically perfect, you know, and clearly, you know, they weren't perfect, I'm assuming, to begin with. So that's cool, though, right? It's artistic, it's an artistic interpretation. Uh, in a sense, uh, I think that Photoshop is just way too affordable these days. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's way too in, re in the reach of normal people. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. But it's, uh, you know, there, there is a fine point between making something look great uh, and something making like plastic people. And I, I think it takes some kind of effort and... Uh, expertise, I guess, and experience to actually see that distinction and make sure that you, when you're, like, I like skin pores and tones, like, you know, when you, when you see real skin instead of, like, making it uh, plastic, mm -hmm. and it makes more effort to actually make the real one instead of the yeah. plastic one, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to make someone look plastic, you know, it's a couple of Photoshop or a filter or two or, mm -hmm. yeah. Plug in. You can take all the detail out of skin. So you guys are railing against the plastic retoucher. You know, my favorite type of the wedding photography is actually the film one. There are still a few photographers that shoot film in the weddings. Yeah. Uh, and if they know how to do it well, it's usually like really amazing. Like they, they don't care about acne spore or like whatever is happening, but they care about capturing emotions instead of capturing the perfect image. And 
if I were to pick one out of two, I would pick emotions any day of the week. Love it. Love it. So All just right, well, as a... Is... Go ahead, Just go ahead, as a final point on that, I've yeah. been to New Zealand's uh, photography conference and to Australia's photography conference, and this was, I mean, this is going back nine, ten years now, and even then the trend here was to fully, you know, over-retouching, this was before everybody was shooting digital, there the trend was um, relaxed and more photojournalism, or what we would call, you know, photojournalist, mm -hmm. and the style that you see coming out of those places and, um, is still sort of more realistic in terms of like what you said, Evgeny, about it's more about the emotions and the moment and not what is your Photoshop skills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's a, I, don't think, I don't think it's a problem, but it's, you know, like, like we're saying, we're joking about it. With great power comes great responsibility, and there's a lot of power in Photoshop and the associated plugins that come with Photoshop, and there's a lot of new photographers coming into the mix every day that are like, you know what? I want to shoot like Darlene. I want to shoot like Evgeny. What's the shortcut to getting to that? Hey, I can just run this plugin on this person, and the, you know. So yeah, but it's a uh, you know I don't know I don't know. It's artistic, but when it comes to photojournalism, um, I'm gonna stick to my guns. If they don't want the photos edited, only accept unedited raw files. That's it. You know. So and by definition, raw files are not edited. They're just raw data. So you can be sure that they're not they're not messed with. All right, guys, before we jump into story number two, I want to thank our second sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our friends over at FreshBooks.com. Are you still using Word or Excel to create invoices? Do you use a shoebox of receipts to keep track of your expenses? Well, you can save time and get paid faster with FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. FreshBooks is the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners just like you save time billing and get paid faster. With FreshBooks, you can easily create invoices online, capture and track expenses on the go, and get real-time business reports with a few simple clicks. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just sign up today at getfreshbooks.com. And here's the delicious part. FreshBooks is doing something special for This Week in Photo listeners. Every day, they're giving away a birthday cake to someone who signs up for a new account from our show. For your chance to win, enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up for a new account at GetFreshBooks.com. With FreshBooks, every day could be your birthday. Again, sign up today at GetFreshBooks.com. All right, story number two, uh, Evgeny, I think this is right up your alley here because this is about the JPEG format. So basically with version 9.1, the update, the JPEG standard format enables 12-bit color depth support as well as lossless compression. Now that sounds really geeky. Basically what that means is there's more data in the JPEG file, much more like a raw file now, but it's JPEG and it's, you know, you, typically with JPEG it's compressed. So for folks that don't know, when you save a JPEG, it's throwing away pixels that it thinks that your human eye doesn't need to compress the file size down. So what they're saying, this is a lossless compression, meaning it still compresses, but it's not throwing data away. So the question, Evgeny, I'm going to throw to you, as, a, as one of the guys behind 500pix.com, px.com, does this, is this like on your radar? Do you guys care about this? Or is it just like, you know what? JPEG all the way, we're sticking to our guns. Uh, I'm pretty conservative by nature. <laughs> yeah. 
and the thing is, I uh, and, and at the same time, I love new technologies. The thing with new JPEG is that you have to have widespread support, right? It has to have the browser support. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like a multi-step process. So from browsers, you have, or like from the standard, you have to go to the plugins or developers, and then they make sure that they implement it in a browser, and then you look at uh, the what browsers support it and not, and mm -hmm. then you have to serve probably different types of JPEG to people who support that, Mm -hmm. or to browsers who support that, and to browsers who don't support that. Uh, so in the end, you'll end up with multiple uh, images that you serve depending on, you know, whoever gets uh, which, uh, which format. Right. The other interesting format that was there for a while is WebP, right? The Google's format yeah. that compresses even more, much, much more efficient uh, and effective than JPEG. But again, the problem becomes that uh, Chrome supports it natively, obviously, but what about other browsers? So if your browser doesn't support it, we'll still serve you the J JPEG, the old one, the right. classical one, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, and on the back, on the back end, you, you have to support multiple things to, uh, to just kind of like make sure that you optimize for the, the, for the best experience. So for us, uh, it becomes a challenge, right? Like the team is small, so when you're thinking about the priorities, it's probably not the top on our list. Mm -hmm. um, if we were Google or Facebook, it obviously makes a lot of sense to uh, a lot of sense to save a couple of percentage points in loading times, right? Yeah. To serve much faster. Yeah, it's a money uh, issue. Yeah, and some money because your servers probably cost millions uh, at that time. So it is important for bigger firms. Uh, it is arguably important for us uh, as photographers to make sure that we can offer lossless format maybe as a backup copy, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't care to have a raw file as long as you can have at least the lossless JPEG at some point in your life. Yeah. Uh, from a personal experience, I lost uh, hundreds of gigs of photos that were stolen. Uh, that I didn't have backup for, and uh, in the meantime, while we're while we're shooting on a temporary camera, my other uh, so I, I got stolen. Uh, so I, I lost two laptops in two months. Jeez! <laughs> I'm on my. Third. I gotta start following you around. Are you just leaving these things on planes and trains? <laughs> no, they were uh, they were stolen by thieves. So it was oh, not no. not the funny. But but what happened that I realized that. All my photos, if they're not online, uh, that's it. Like I don't have time to do the backups and like move file, files around and move backup drives so that everything is backed up. Uh, and none of the online solutions are fast enough. So if I can take a photo and post it on Facebook, it's better than having a great raw file sitting somewhere without backup. Right. Waiting to be stolen again. So right. it just kind of like moves... Uh, it changes the perspective. You're moving into the sure. cloud, yeah. Yeah, uh, Darlene. Darlene, looking at this story, looking at this, you know, JPEG, which this new format, which arguably could be, I, you know, I'm thinking if I'm reading this right, it could be a replacement for RAW. Do you think this might mean, you know, down the line, you know, and this is like, you know, best case scenarios, the camera manufacturers would standardize on this lossless JPEG, and we wouldn't have these multiple RAW formats from each different company. 
I don't know. I, I don't think I can see that happening because unless the JPEG can do what the RAW does, because I mean, the way that it sits now, if your camera is shooting a JPEG, you, you've set a picture style somewhere yeah. along the way that processes, your camera still shoots a RAW file and it processes it based on your picture style for contrast, saturation, and sharpness, right? Once that's done, you can't undo that, right? So the RAW file is, is inherently unprocessed. If I over sharpen my RAW file in Lightroom, I just undo. Right? Yeah. It's that simple. It's it's that non-destructive editing piece that I don't think the JPEG offers, no matter yeah, 12-bit, 8-bit, 16-bit, whatever. Right. So having more colors and being able to display it on the internet. I mean, you touched on you know the the support for the browsers, but what about okay? There's support for cameras. You need firmware, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What if you want to print this thing at home? Now you need support for your printer. Uh, the labs want to print it. Now they need support. So. I mean, we're talking a year, two years before this is available, maybe, right? Right. right. I, I can't see it replacing RAW because of the reasons I mentioned. And, you know, Photoshop files like a PSD or a TIFF still have layers. So those serve a purpose for people doing all this, you know, crazy editing and plastic people that we talked about. Um, you still need to have the layers. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, think, I think there's a space for the JPEG 12-bit, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, I like your Evgeny's idea about you know saving those lossless um, JPEGs as your backups mm -hmm. because storage is becoming an issue. So I think there's a place, but maybe yet undetermined. Yeah, no, in. that's a that's a perfect yeah. answer. Yeah, I look at I look at raw. I like to use the the cake analogy. Like raw are is the is the the ingredients, the flour, the sugar, the butter, all that stuff sitting on your counter, <laughs> and JPEG is the baked cake. It's done. Right, so what we're saying with this new JPEG format, it's a bigger, more comprehensive baked cake, but it's still baked, right? Exactly. <laughs> you can't go back and unbake it or add more butter or you add more flour. You can't stick your finger in the dough and lick your finger. Exactly. Exactly. Berlin, or you the, in the... that amazing new technology called JPEG 2000? I remember that. Well, yeah. whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to that? Nobody supports that. No. So, so how how can you do the JPEG 2014? <laughs> That's awesome. It's like Sony Betamax. Sony so basically, Bayback. you're saying it's 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 DOA, dead on arrival, right? Uh, it's funny because it supports 12 bit, and people were arguing that it's like 12 bit, and cameras moved on to 14 bit, ex like almost exclusively by now. All the sensors, so it it doesn't make sense to uh, use something. Uh, that doesn't give you flexibility if you want it, right? Like you're using RAW for a reason, right? Like you have all that, uh, all that wide variety of tools, so uh, color information and all this kind of stuff, like all gives you a lot of flexibility. So if even if you're using better JPEG, it's still a JPEG. So it's good for something, but it's not good for, um, I guess, for pros. All right, I love it. Last word. We're still we're we're happily stuck with raw for now. I think. All right, guys. Let's uh let's move on quickly to story number three, and this is about this new camera that got announced. I know Darlene's probably going to order three of these. It's the <laughs> Hasselblad HV, and essentially it's a Sony A ninety nine, um, but it has a body that's made of machine machine grade aluminum. It's coated with a physical vapor deposition, whatever, it was add, adds a second layer of hardness, so it's as hard, it's second in hardness only to that of a diamond, 
and it comes in a special high-quality, lightweight case, and it's from Hasselblad, and it costs only, wait for it, $12,000. probably, right? Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, well, so what about my Hasselblad? Yeah, you, let's see it. You got there one. There it is. There it is. From that is a thing of beauty. From about 1966. I even have the little flip-up, you know, viewfinder, the sound effect for you. Let me Look do that, that again. Let me do the sound effect for those listening. There we go. Here we go. Yeah, do it again. There Look at go. that. Old school. Look right? So, I mean, this this thing is a paperweight. Nobody wants it, and it's, it's cumbersome. I shot weddings with this, and this was the go-to camera, and we talked about this before the show. Nothing has changed about this camera in, you know, 50 years that they made these things. They added some motor drives and stuff on, but, I mean, this is sharp glass. There's nothing to go wrong with this. I can use this in minus 30 weather, and it's not going to freeze. There's no electronics in here. There's no yeah. batteries to die, you know, but it's it's a pig. It's a beast to carry around, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to take this to Cuba with me. And That's a scare, brick. You scare people when you stick this in their face, right? Yeah. Now that means you're a real photographer. You got that giant Hasselblad. That means you are you're real. Hey, that, I, I've you take shot good with pictures. the four by five. I've shot with a four by five too. Oh, I've done that. Yeah, see camera, pull it out from the top, with a little dark slide. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so then you're with. So, what's your call on this thing? This twelve thousand dollar digital A ninety nine. Yeah, who's it for? I don't know. I mean. When I first saw the thing, I thought, okay, it's another medium format. And then I went and I look, and it's 23 megapixels or whatever it is. It's like there's less megapixels than the the D700, D800, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. like my 5D Mark III has 21. Like, why would I spend twelve thousand dollars? Because it's but a then, Right. Then why would I spend nine thousand dollars on a Leica M9? Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's it's the name. It's the mm -hmm. brand. Right? Why do people drive a Lexus or a Mercedes or a Jaguar? Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's different. <laughs> That's... But is it? But is it? Right? Well, no. I mean, because... you can get from point A to point. It's different. I say it's different because you can get from point A to point B in, say, a Prius or whatever, but it's a different quality of life getting from point A to point B than it is in, say, a Tesla or a Lexus or something. It's more comfortable. There's more amenities. With these cameras, they do exactly the same thing as the cheaper cameras. There's f-stop, shutter speeds, ISO, you know, all that stuff. There's, It's not like it's more comfortable, you know, is what I'm but saying. But when you show up to your job... And the art director is there, and you have a Hasselblad. Oh, Aren't they going to go? Thinking appearances. Ooh, yeah. ah, yeah, exactly. You can probably right. charge ten times for the, for the same job. Well, you're gonna have to. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you'd have to. <laughs> if your kids want to eat, yeah, definitely. Evgeny, would you buy this thing? This 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 Hasselblad for twelve k? No, I would not. Why not? Come on. And I think we're seeing, uh, like I guess the end of Hasselblad. Mm. And the end of the legend of Hasselblad. That's unfortunate. Uh, that's Sad. really unfortunate. Yeah, but the latest couple of two or three cameras, uh, I think all the people on the internet and offline just would be mocking that because it, it just just sad. Like it's it's kind of like it's not yours, right? It's Sony's camera, and you're taking all the internals of the Sony camera and just like putting your brand on that and selling that for five times, six times more than yeah. than, than it would be otherwise. Just by yeah. putting high-end materials. Yeah, it's for collectors. Like, yeah, they, they will sell some. 
for yeah. collectors, for really rich lawyers or doctors who are into photography. Celebrities, yeah. But when Darlene is showing her camera, this is the this is the the workhorse, right? This is the camera that you take. Um, I don't know to the top of the mountain because it will never break. It will mm -hmm. never run out of juice, right? And you just take it because it does the job, regardless of the conditions. But those ones, they're just like electronic toys that um, that I don't know will break the same as Sony camera, yeah, or yeah, or, or will become obsolete as soon as the other digital goods. It kind of reminds me of the Nikon DF a little, you know, where you're. It's more aesthetic than it is about innovation and all that. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I wouldn't buy one either. I wouldn't buy one either, but, you know, then I'm cheap, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so check this out. I want to do a screen share here for those that are watching video, and I'll yeah, talk about it. it for those that are not. So uh, look at this house of Let me see that. Would it get one for the gift? This oh, is, we're looking uh, at it. Describe gold... this thing. Okay, so this is the gold edition. 1987 was the 30-year anniversary of the Hasselblad 500CM. So just to tell you how old mine is, it's only a C. It doesn't even have the M, right? Uh -huh. yeah. And they put out this thing, the gold Hasselblad. Now, I remember, I was, I was just starting photography then. I remember when this thing came out. Some people bought it, but the average photographer can't buy it. It's like, it's like Evgeny said, it's, it's going to be a collector's item. It's not something that you're going to actually use in the field. So, you know, maybe they're going to sell a few and it's it's actually really sad for me to see, you know, Hasselblad if that is the end of Hasselblad. Um I'm going to hang on to mine cuz, you know, maybe some collectors are going to want to pay some money for it. Yeah, in about 20, 30 years, yeah, it might be worth something. Or I could dip it in gold and put it on eBay, you know. <laughs> you know, my suggestion would be go get a nice shelf from IKEA, put that on the wall and put that Hasselblad on top of <laughs> I'm going to get people. what remember I told you about that last time those guys that make lamps out of your cameras and stuff, I'm going to make yeah. a lamp out of it. I'm going to make yeah. a lamp out of it. Crazy, crazy. All right, guys, let's uh, let's move on to the picks of the week. This is a segment where you guys can recommend something to the TWIP listeners. Darlene, I'm going to give you the honor of going first. What's your pick of the week? Okay, so I got a couple things. So the um, the website that I'm going to talk about is Enlight Photo, mm. and I've got they they actually um, sent me a few samples here. So I've been trying these out. Uh, some perks of being on DPS now is okay. So there's this first thing. It's called the Frio. What is Ironic that? since I was just, it's a hot shoe. So you put it on the light stand. It's got the, uh, you know, three eighths and the, uh, the screw in thing to mount on your light stand. So okay. you can put your hot shoe flash on top and it locks it. And this thing is really sturdy. How oh, many cool. pieces of crap, you know, things that have you seen to attach your hot shoe flash to your light stand, um, your speed light. So this is a really good thing. I think it's like 17 bucks. I right? like it. And they have a pack of three. You can buy three of them. I'm buying it. Um, then they also have, I don't have it here in my hand, but I do have it. It's a thing called um, uh, IO Shutter. So it's basically, it turns your iPhone into a remote trigger for your camera. It's uh, like 70 bucks, and you can do time lapse with the thing, right? So you know how much cool. remotes cost that do time lapse. Yeah. Um, you can do that with your phone now, right? Huh. Remotely um, through through Bluetooth. There is a wire. You you get when you buy the um the IO so the IO shutter is the app and then you get the um the IO shutter device which is an actual cord. So it does connect your phone to the camera. Okay. Right? So it's not wireless. And then the last thing that's really cool is the thing um it's called the Orbis ring flash. So I haven't tried this puppy out yet, but I'm going to on the weekend because I'm teaching a light class. So yeah, it's a I'm ring sure. flash, right? But you just shove your speed light in the bottom. 
Yeah. So it turns your speed light into a ring flash. It's like 199 bucks. All right. I want to see some shots from that. I want to see some shots. All right. I'll see what I can because do. Because you I'll said it's 199 because you know ring flash is typically from big companies like FJ Westcott or whatever. They're pricey, right? Exactly. But the results exactly. look awesome. You, you know, can that's throw, your, throw your speed light in here, right, that you already right. own. All right. So share share my, some images. Uh, share some images on, on Google+. Plus. So, plus, they have a really cool thing to put on your fridge. They have the, these little fridge magnets called... Uh, they have the special name for it. I don't want to get it right here. Uh, where the heck is it? Funky... Uh, get funky with the fridge. Photo fridge fun. All with a PH. Yeah, of so, course. it's all like photo-related words. Like, you know how you can make sentences and do all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, so, you stick it on your fridge and you can make little photo messages to your... You know, yeah, I do the same thing, but mine is just a whiteboard with a dry erase marker, and I just ah. write it. <laughs> it's low tech. It's easy. Cool. All right, so darling. Thank you. Light, it's in lightphotopro.com. All right, we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes because uh, that first hot shoe thingamajigger, um, I may have to get a couple of those. I like that. All right, uh, Evgeny, what is your pick of the week? I got two. Good. So one of them is one of the apps that I found. Uh, through digging the App Store, and it's called uh, Cycloramic. Cycloramic. Uh, yeah, it's it's right here <laughs> on this side. I have a lot of photo apps that I'm uh, looking over, you know, competition and stuff. And Cycloramic, uh, let me try to point this, is the, uh, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, is I can the, see it. Is the Panorama app, and uh, it takes a panorama by starting to actually bump the phone <laughs> and it moves around. Okay, we got to describe this. So what's okay, happening is the cycloramic app, Evgeny put his iPhone on its edge vertically on a flat surface, ran the app, and told it to make a panorama and using the vibration inside the iPhone, it vibrated itself into a what is it? A three hundred or a hundred eighty degree arc? Three sixty, it says on 360, here. Three sixty. Yeah. Three sixty degree arc just by vibrating itself, and it does it all. You just set it and hit the button, and it's vibrating itself into a circle. That's crazy. Oh, I could have used that in Cuba, man. Yeah, so it's really cool for parties uh, and things like that. It's it's kind of fun. So how do the images look that come out of that thing? It's actually um, sort of like a video, so it actually keeps on going, oh. uh, and it's kind of unusual in that in that sense. But the the sheer genuity of you know making uh, vibration work to make a panorama. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is. I mean, that's geeky. That yeah, is geeky. That's pretty geeky, and it works. So like on any flat surface table or something like that. It works pretty well, and people are always amazed when I when I, I was uh, amazed. open the I'm app. Gonna, I'm gonna download it and try it. I like it. Just I mean I don't know if I'll ever use it because, but I mean yeah, at parties it would be a good little cool. Yeah, thing. and the other thing that I uh, I think it's kind of like sad and hilarious at the same time is the Twitter search for Sochi. So it's obviously oh. going to be it's going to be happening more and more as the games all like opening night and uh, as the games will commence. Yeah. But the photos that you get from Sochi from the journalists and people around that are just like sad and hilarious. They are. Uh, me, me being originally from Russia, it's it's 
uh, you know, it's kind of amusing because I'm used to that. Person. You understand. Yeah, a friend, of mine, but, but, a friend yeah. of mine on Facebook, Jeff Cable, is there uh, for this. And he posted on Facebook, it was either yesterday or today, that, you know, he's like, yeah, the flight was great. Everything was awesome. Even had Wi-Fi in the cab on the way to the hotel. And he's like, you get to the hotel and... Yeah, there was like it was barely finished under construction. He's like sawdust all over the place, barely running water in the rooms. You know, it was just the way he described it was like barely livable. <laughs> the best yeah. one I saw was a journalist. I can't remember where she was from, uh, but she described the hotel told her not to use the water out of the sink because it was quote dangerous face water. Don't wash your face with it. Dangerous <laughs> face water. And she showed a glass of it. And it was yellow. Oh. And so oh. she said she washed her face with Evian. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I would have done the same. Or I just would have been Mr. Dirty Face. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Jeez. All right. Well, perfect tip. All right, guys. So my my pick of the week is something that I'm using right now. So if you're watching the video for this hangout, I'm lit by my pick of the week, and it is a ice light from F.J. Westcott. They oh. sent me over two of these things, and this is what they look like. So this is it right here. Turn upside down. There you go. This is what it looks like, and it is like a lightsaber wand thing. On the back, it's got a power button or a power button and dimmer switches and a power indicator. You can plug it in and use it. Like the one I'm using right now is actually plugged into the wall, so you can use it. And, you know, just constantly. But it's got a battery in here that'll last for about an hour and a half. And it's LED. So there's 72 LEDs inside this tube here that light up and are dimmable. So let me let me turn it on here. Let's see. Look how insanely bright this thing is. Look at this. Holy. <laughs> like, let me dim it. Do we need the sound effects? Wait, wait. We need the sound effects. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. I am your father. You know, this is the, uh, I mean, it's amazing. So what it's for, it's for, you know, wedding photographers that are on the go. I mean, it's designed by a wedding photographer, by wedding and portrait photographer, Jerry Gihonis, um, and built by Westcott, F.J. Westcott. But it's designed for people, like, it's ideal for this. Like, it's I'm using this as my lighting, the only lighting for this this hangout. Um, I'm going to use it for portraiture. I'm going to use it for all kinds of. I mean, light painting. I saw Russell Brown from Adobe use one of these to like do some light painting in the field. It's crazy. So I'm definitely going to try it out. What is that sound, darling? Oh, that. Wait, wait, wait. I need that. Wait, wait. Let me turn it on. Oh, wait. Okay. Ready? 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 I'm ready. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You got to fight. You got to fight. I would win. I would win. But I need, you know, the other cool thing is, speaking of Star Wars, they say, you know, on the end of these things, it's a, there's a little light stand mount on both ends, so you can connect them together, and, you know, you can be like Darth Maul and fight with his double-bladed lightsaber. Anyway, I'm geeking out. Anyway, it's the uh, the ice light from FJ Westcott, and thank you, I want to thank those guys. They sent these over for me to play around with and test, so... It's going to be hard for me to send them back, but they, uh, they're they pretty dang awesome. That thing is not cheap. They're, what are they, like 500 bucks, right? Yeah. So, yeah so they're not... Just tell them that you lost them. <laughs> <laughs> They'll send you a bill. Yeah, speaking of the guy, yeah, yeah. I'll say I lent them to Yevgeny, and you know Yevgeny loses gear all the time. <laughs> and they're gone. Cool. All right, guys, uh, let's wrap this up. We're at the end of another episode of TWIP. 
And listeners, stay tuned to the end of this show for an interview with landscape photography gurus Jay and Verena Patel. They're releasing a DVD, I think, within the next couple of days after this episode goes out. It's on, they call it the Ultimate Landscape Photography Guide. So they take you into the field with them in, in Australia and bounce around and and show you how to make those crazy images that, that Jay and Verena are so famous for. So definitely check that out. All right, Darlene, where would you like people to go to connect with you? Digitalphotomentor.com. And, of course, you can also find me on DPS. And uh, I've had actually quite a few submissions from TWIP listeners to cool. DPS to write for DPS, so keep them coming. Always awesome. need new articles. Awesome. And for those folks who don't know what Darlene does over there, she's the managing editor. So, <laughs> you know, you got you know somebody in high places over at Digital gatekeeper. Photography School. I'm the gatekeeper. Yeah, she's the gatekeeper. If you want to get in there and you want to get your stuff seen or you think you have a voice, contact Where? How do they contact you? There's a contact form at the bottom of uh, any of the DPS pages. If you just choose, uh, I want to write for DPS, it comes to me. Awesome. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you. And thanks for they putting can also, out uh, They can also email me at uh, darlene at digitalphotographyschool.com with all the hyphens in the middle. You know. Okay. Cool. And we'll, we'll put all that in the notes so they can easily find you. Absolutely. Cool. And Yevgeny Chabotarov from 500pix.com. Where would you like people to go other than 500pix.com? Other than that, nowhere. Just go to <laughs> 500pix.com or go to the App Store, get the app. Uh, there's going to be a really exciting update soon for the iOS, so go get 500pix app. So what I was going to say in the beginning, we were talking about the iOS uploading piece of that. I was saying one thing that you you guys may or may not have considered is the whole idea with these mirrorless cameras, how people can shoot in the field and then upload through Wi-Fi to their mobile device, make some edits, and then put them online directly from there. Because that's what I would do. I mean, I would if I'm in the field and I have this shot that I absolutely want to put on 500 pics, I'm not going to wait till I get back to my computer. Yeah. I'll edit and put it up there. Frederick, do you really think we're not working on that? <laughs> hey, you know, you never know till you ask. I'm just trying to put, see, I'm never giving you any more ideas. <laughs> he could tell you, but he has to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. See, I got shut down by 500 picks. See, my ideas. Cool, man. All right, well, thank you guys for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have both of you on. And uh, folks that are watching slash listening to this, be sure to check out our redesigned website over at thisweekinphoto.com. Or if you want to touch base with me, you can check me on my redesigned personal website, and that's at frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. All right, folks, uh, we've got a real special treat for you today. I'm sitting here with some folks that have been working really, really, really hard on an awesome project. These are some folks that have been contributing to the photography industry for quite some time and now it looks like it's culminated in 
uh, a product that hopefully will be out really soon. Um, by the time you, you watch this, hopefully it'll be out already. And it's a product called the Ultimate Landscape Photography Course. And it's uh, put, produced by the stars of the course, Verena and Jay Patel, who are in this hangout. <laughs> and some of the behind-the-scenes folks that made this thing happen, Brent Mail and Johnny Spencer, these are guys that are in Australia. But through the magic of Google Hangouts, we're all here together to talk about how this thing came together. So welcome, guys. Welcome to the Hangout. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us, Fred. You're welcome. You're welcome. Brent, let's start with you. So you're coming to us. You're in Australia right now. What's your What's your background, and, and why are you into this photography thing? Uh, thanks, Frederick. Um, yeah, I've been a professional photographer for 10 years. I run a little studio close to the beach, um, and uh, I actually interviewed Jay and Verena about six or eight months ago. I can't remember. Um, I almost gave up. Um, I almost chickened out when I interviewed them the first time, but we we got on really well, and and they've come to Australia to to film this uh, this this product, so it's it's really good. Um, yeah, so more about me. I've uh, I guess I've done every kind of photography out there. I'm a bit of a generalist when it comes to photography, mm -hmm. um, and now what I'm doing is I'm actually focusing on uh, teaching photography, giving it back to the to the community. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's great. Well, welcome. Welcome. It's good to Thank have you. you. And Johnny Spencer, you're also in Australia. What's your background and your why? Why are you into this photography thing? Oh, what a big question. Okay, Photog <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually a full-time employee with the New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife Service. So I have a 14-year history with them, which has given me a good background in the environment and particularly natural environments, which I have such a passion for. And um, Photography is my way of capturing that and sharing it with everyone. So that's where my passion began. I love natural photography. Um, I've been a full-time photographer for New South Wales Parks for about two years now um, in my career. And uh, Jay and Verena have got the same passion. So that's we just met and we've just clicked. And, um, yeah, I love it. Can't get enough, Fred. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for uh, taking the time to come on. Thanks for having me, mate. All right. And also, last but not least, Verena and Jay Patel, the stars of this show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Verena and Jay, welcome, guys. It's, uh, it's been yeah, a long time since we had a chance you, to chat. Yeah, yeah thanks for having again. us. All right. It's a pleasure. Verena, let's start with you. So th let's sure. just dive right into this thing. The This is the ultimate landscape photography course. So... That's yeah. a, that's that's quite a, a stretch goal, calling it the ultimate. <laughs> There's been a lot of courses that have been out there before this course. What makes this one that's ultimate? That's right. Yeah, that that's a word that we you know we talked about. We some of us were like, well, I don't know, can we call it that? And after we finished the filming, and once we started looking at the videos as they came in one after another, you know, all these little sections, all of us kind of looked at each other and we were like. Uh, yeah, yeah, we can call this the ultimate <laughs> this is landscape ultimate, yeah. photography course. I, if this isn't it, we don't know what it is. I mean, we it, it, this has been the most amazing process for for me certainly, and I know that the the guys have, you know, I mean, this it's just been amazing. We first of all we clicked amazingly well. We get along really well. We all have ridiculous senses of humor, and so you know we're joking around out there and having a great time. But on top of that, you know, we've got uh, Johnny and Brent who have this amazing passion for photography and for outdoors, and they're also really good with their video cameras. 
And, you know, we've got Jay and I who share that same passion for nature and for photography. And we were able to put together this, this course from an idea that, you know, came sort of suddenly and out of nowhere. Hey, guys, do you want to do this? Do you think we can make it happen? Okay, let's do it. And, you know, it came together so quickly. And everyone put so much work into it. And then, but, you know, yeah. the, anything, you know, of course, any, as we all know, as creatives and image makers and content creators, anything worth doing correctly takes a whole lot of effort. I mean, yeah. like we were, we were, Jay Verini, you and I were on the phone the other day talking about other courses and how some folks can just, you know, no disrespect to other courses, but people will put up a video camera and record themselves doing what they do and then put it on PayPal and, you know, make money. And people get stuff out of that because it's almost like an over-the-shoulder kind of view, but it's, right. you know, you're, you're lacking the, the high-end production quality that, that really makes the learning process easier. So, Verena, I want to right. continue with this on this thread. So mm -hmm. what was the problem that you guys were trying to solve? solve? Again, there's, like, you know, landscape training and courses and, you know, online yeah. courses and resources and YouTube, all this stuff has been out there for right. a long time. What was the problem that you guys were like, you know what, we have something to offer right here and this is why we're doing this? Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly it. We, we're looking online, we've got students asking us questions all the time and, and we're able to say, hey, you know, if you're interested in, in post-production, um, here's a, a website you can go to, check out these links. There are thousands and thousands of uh, videos and tutorials online for Photoshop work, for post-production work. There are all kinds of little tutorials for studio work, things like that. But you know what's really difficult is taking a student out on location and giving them more than just a very brief explanation of one technique. You know, it takes First of all, I mean, landscape photography, as you know, is difficult enough as it is. It's not an easy thing out there, you know, just to keep your camera gear and everything working and, and you know, you've got rain and you've got harsh light and all these things. But to get a video crew out there, and, you know, I'm not talking about an iPhone video, you know, that's great and there's nothing wrong with that and Jay and I have done our share of those. But mm -hmm. to be able to take and put together, I mean, we spent 12 days in the field. Wow. Doing wow. these recordings, you know. Wow. And, so you guys, and, you you did it right, right? So then. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think the the biggest problem that we come up against is that there is this is what isn't available. Mm -hmm. It's it's almost like being on a workshop, having a professional photographer with you. You need somebody who can you know stand over your shoulder and say, Hey, have you thought of this? Have you tried that? Have you done this? That's something you just can't get any other way. No, no, Jay. I went, can you take me into the course itself? Because you, you and I were all three of us. You, Verena, and myself have done a hangout before, where you, you guys took us through kind of soup to nuts um, in a discussion on, okay, this is how we pack, and this is right. why we pack. This is right. stuff we bring. This is stuff we don't bring, and this is why. Is all that in there? Is it? Is it, it, is it all, a soup to nuts? It is all there in there, actually, as of. Last night, correct me if I'm wrong, Brent. It is four and a half hours of video. Okay. Yes. And so what happens, Fred, is that um, last hangout we did, we we get into really good details about how we choose a location and what local variability has to do with it, right? Mm -hmm. In this course, what we do is we follow the same concept as an introduction to the course. Is how do we go and choose a location? But we go one step forward. 
and say, okay, now that you're a location, look around you. So that video quality that Brent has done and Johnny has done is they are shooting from all around us. So you get a perspective of what location you are in. Um, you saw the small clip that we sent you about Verena standing right on the cliff, one step, and she was into the waves. And the perspective was that the waves were splashing water in her face as she was trying to shoot. Now, when you're at the location, um, the same decision-making criteria that we talked about in the last course of uh, methodically thinking about what you're trying to accomplish and how you go about accomplishing that is documented in this course. Yeah. So we're in the location, we talk saying, okay, I'm going to choose a composition. Now, what will I look for a composition at this location? I will, at this location. I will certainly look I for something which is... Yeah, we're getting an echo from somebody in there. I don't know yeah. where it's coming from. Yeah. So um, so I, I'll repeat myself. So I said when we're in location and we look and see the scene and I want to select a composition, I want to be able to tell as to what the composition is, mm -hmm. right? And I then need to be able to select saying, why did I select the composition? Is it because of the color of the rocks? Is it because of the color of the sky? whether there's a cliff on the right side that I don't want or whether a cliff on the left side. So this course goes on location and while we're on location we record the audio and the whole technology of recording the audio when the waves are crashing three feet in front of you yeah. is, is a challenge and what we have done is we have captured that entire thing then we bring the images back at studio and then we record the post-production workflow. Because what you saw with your eyes doesn't always get captured in the camera. You have to. I know because one of the shots that I saw you doing in one of the clips you sent over was you on a beach, and yeah. you know the the image because you show the the final image which is stunning of course, and then you know you see the the video shot of you which is you know the video is not going to be able to do the long exposure no. and drag and all that yep. stuff. So it's it's Jay on a, a a beach that's relatively dark and I can see a silhouette of you and maybe your camera LCD. Yep. And then you look at the shot and it's like oh that's what he shot. You know. So yeah. It's, <laughs> so then let's guys let's transition into the production a little bit of of the logistics of putting something like this together. Like from what Verena was talking about. Uh, I think before we even started rolling, there was you guys had multiple cameras. You know, Brent, you and Johnny had multiple cameras out there. You're recording audio professionally. You're in perilous situations. You know, you're trying to show what they're shooting and you show where they're shooting it and all this stuff together. How did that come together? I mean, just take me through the the logistics and the mechanics of it all. Do you want me to? to yeah, you can. You, Brent, you go okay. ahead. You start. Okay, so I mean that's that's what I really loved about this because we we had planned it out so well. Jane and Verena had come up with the, with a uh, a concept and a, and an outline of how we're going to shoot it, and then we'd actually go in and because I've been creating videos for three years and teaching my audience uh, photography, you know we'd go in we'd we'd uh, photograph the whole lesson or video video tape the whole lesson with two different cameras. I'm on a handheld camera or a shoulder mount rig and Johnny's on a tripod and we had um, extra audio devices on uh, Jay and Verena and then what we'd do is we'd get the close-ups afterwards so we'd think about 
how, how best can the audience learn from this? So when Verena's talking about the graduated neutral density filter or the polarizing filter, sometimes you're a little bit too far away. So afterwards, you'd actually go in and I'd get Verena to talk about it again, and I'd get close-ups, really very uh, shallow depth of field close-ups video of um, her explaining what she's doing and also go in and show the back of the camera while she's putting the graduated neutral density filter into the camera in live view so you can actually see it happening and then we would cut those in afterwards so that it looks like it's happening right in real time as she's explaining the lesson and, and then we'll also throw in the um, still images, the unprocessed real st images straight off the camera and then the actual processed images at the end. So and it kind of gives a uh, yeah, start that, to finish. Yeah, yeah that, that really adds the polish. And the way you describe it, of course, it makes sense. Um, but looking at some of the clips, and if, with you guys' permission, I'll show a little bit of some of the clips that you sent over um, as we talk about this. But looking at these clips, it's it looks like many more than two cameras out there, you know, because of, I guess because of what you know, you you know, you did it in multiple swipes, and then yeah, <laughs> and well, for, it all for, together. Um, did you know that I'm Superman? I'm I'm all over the place. Let me say it right. If Brent nailed a videographer and photographer extraordinaire, we lured out of the sewers with a biscuit. No, out of That's the gutters. Out of the gutters, sorry. Oh, here we go. That's what he told us. We lured him out of the gutters with a biscuit. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, on your side... What was the what was the post production like? You know, you guys you probably ended up with mountains and mountains or gigabytes, maybe terabytes of data to wade through. Uh, what what was you know editing like? Are you doing it in you know iMovie or what? What's the deal? Um, I I edit in Final Cut X, so I know there was a big hoo ha. And 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 Fred, that's a thing we've got that Mac thing. So just so you know, yeah yeah. Is it Final <laughs> Final um, Cut Ten or X? Yeah 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 Final Cut. Well, however you want to say it. 10 how, X, okay, before that's... we continue, before we continue. <laughs> Mac. No, I love Mac. Mac, and I love Final Cut, yeah. and I want to love Final Cut Ten, but for some reason my brain can't connect with the <laughs> lack of a timeline. I <laughs> so tell me, <laughs> please, how do I connect with it? Because I hear it's awesome. Ah, <laughs> oh, look, you know, I, I suppose I never used the old Final Cut, so my brain has never been wired to think the old way. Um, um, yeah, yeah, so, and, and I think that makes all the today. difference, Fred. Yeah, that's it, kids today. <laughs> <laughs> In my day, we had timelines and we liked it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fred, there's, there's a solution for you. You know, we can hook you up to electrical machine, zap your brain cells of you. Maybe it's time for me to revisit it because I've gone back in there. My friend Alex Lindsay swears by Final Cut 10. He loves uh, it. And he, he says does. it's easy and it's beautiful, but something about that timeline. I want to see the playhead <laughs> progress through the thing. You know. Well, Fred, yeah, I, I, use, yeah. I use the timeline. So, I mean, we're using Sony Vegas, me and uh, Russell, to, to edit most of the most of the courses on edited on Sony Vegas. Yeah. And I so know there's also... Yeah, timeline. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know how you 
Johnny does it without the timeline. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, I'll tell you, friend, those those guys that don't swear by the timeline, they're just not real editors. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm kidding. All, I, yeah. We old school. It's so, all about so, the final product. So yeah, I know, totally, totally. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so Johnny, about the so as you were putting this together, what were some of the logistics as you guys were putting this the piece together, whether it's in Vegas or in in Final Cut 10? How were you transferring files between the United States and Australia? How did all that come? How did you do it? Yeah, well, that's a really good point, Fred, and I think that's one thing to point out here. You know, the, the amount of different tools, like we were shooting video on Nikon and Canon, okay, mm -hmm. and we got guys on Windows in Sony Vegas and guys on Mac. So yeah. I think that's a good point, you know. You, you can utilize the tools that you have at hand to basically, you know, and when, when they get to see this course, you'll see the awesome outcome we had. So logistics behind it, I, I know Brent said uh, this actually did uh, the old snail mail and sent a full hard drive over to the UK to Russell for his end of the stuff. But um, other than that, yeah, um, Dropbox was, was, a, was a really good, useful tool for moving smaller clips around and, and a lot of the boards that we created. And um, what else, Brent? Oh, we, of course, you know, for the final product, um, which Brent recommends is Wistia. Mm. Which is got a, did you want to speak a bit a bit about that side of things, Brian? Yeah, yeah, and um, from Australia, you know, it, it kind of pisses me off every a bit, but it, you know, we're a first world country and we've got some really slow broadband in Australia. <laughs> so <laughs> it took me it took me two days, forty eight hours, to upload one lesson to Russell um, through Dropbox in the in you know into the UK, and it took me a week to send the actual hard drive with. I think it was 250 gigs of um, of footage to Russell via FedEx. So even even sending something overnight with FedEx takes a one week from Australia. So it's crazy, <laughs> you know. It is. Um, yeah. But he got it, and he's been working on it. And that's how we've. That's kind of why I chose him right from the start because he's he's pretty good, and he also used the same software as I was using. So we could go back and forth. He could edit the project, and then just give me the Vegas file, and then I could jump in because I got the same footage in the same folder, and I can uh, I can do do my final edit if I need to. Or, or what I do now is I just get get him to do it all because yeah, he's he's pretty good. <laughs> and cool. yeah. Now, now the, I heard you guys mention Wistia in there. So Wistia is a video yeah. sharing service that. So, so the other way to phrase this question would be: Why not YouTube? Why not uh, Vimeo or Vimeo Pro or something like that? Wistia is a relatively new up upstart. Which I'm, yeah. I love this Wistia. I have an account on there, a professional account as well. So I'm leading the witness for you to tell me why it's so great. <laughs> okay, the the reason I've chosen it is I've tried. I, I do use. Um, YouTube for, for my, my free videos and my, my photo tips, mm -hmm. uh, but Wistia just works. It just works on every device I've used it on, and it's simple. You know, I, I tried it. I tested it out. You get a free account for so many videos. I can't remember what it was, and it just works. I, I used to host my, st my videos on Amazon S3 and then used to stream it through, what is it called, Easy Video Player 2. Easy Video Player, I yeah, I remember but that, yeah. It, there was so much... Yeah, there's so much coding, and and then it wouldn't work on an iPhone. And then it, it it would work sometimes, and an Android device it wouldn't work. And I just got tired of it. And and so I pay Wistia, you know, a little bit every month, and it just works. It, yeah. It's as simple as that on yeah. every device, and it's really easy. Yeah, no, I agree, uh, and I agree with the whole clean part of it. The the user interface is just a video. 
And and the customization part, not to make this a, wi a Wistia commercial or anything, but the, being able to go in and customize the player, you know, I want these buttons to show up, or even yeah. what they call a turnstile, I think, where you can say, I want this video to play until the five-minute mark and then stop, and if they want to continue watching, they have to enter an email address. You know, those, those kind of yes. things are really cool. Not to mention the terms of service restrictions that aren't there when, you know, when you're using a service that you pay for versus one that's free. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So what are what are some of the challenges that you guys, I mean, so obviously the lack of bandwidth, you know, or the carrier pigeon bandwidth out of Australia <laughs> coming to the U.S. So aside from that, what are, what are the, some of the other big challenges that you guys have to deal with when you're, you know, putting this thing together logistically? Well, uh, logistically, I, I guess, you know, dealing with two stars like Jay and Verena, you know, um, it's... Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, Verena they, and her green M&Ms, I know, Verena's a star, <laughs> I'm just a follower. <laughs> we, yeah, we had, to, um, we had to feed Jay uh, these packets of uh, snakes, these um, snake lollies, you know, no, just, no. To, just to keep him motivated and keep him going. I guess yeah. that was that was one of the hardest. <laughs> Low blood sugar days. Was yeah. Well, he's he's kind of like he, he, he's such a, a diva. He has to have his gummies. You know his little his little gummy. Yeah, work. right. <laughs> Brent, Brent would love Brent loves those gummy gummy hoop snakes. So he'll get a gummy bag and say, oh, this is for Jay. By the time I come back from shooting, like by noon, the whole bag was gone. And then yeah, he's like, he oh, the kid did And now he's blaming it on you public in a live hangout. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> right. <laughs> and I have to say, you know, Jay, you're really one to talk considering what happened to the cookies the last time you brought me some. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Verena, I'm looking at some of the shots that Jay sent over earlier, and there's, uh, I wanted you to, like, talk about them, and I, I'm sure you're intimate with them, I don't have to even show you, but there's one, um, the first one is of this waterfall, it looks like, it's long exposure, and it's kind of a stair-steppy yeah. waterfall, you want to take me through what, what that one was about, and, you know, what, what happened around that one? Yeah, absolutely, that's a shot, um, that uh, Jay took while I was shooting too. Um, he was photographing long exposures and uh, he was capturing, th those are actually uh, the waves crashing against the shoreline and they're creating waterfalls each time they, you know, go down those, those little steps of stone. Um, so it's just this beautiful flow. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, and um, at the same time, I was right up um, up on the cliffs there, and I was photographing uh, high-speed um, shots of splashing water against the rocks. And so what we were trying to show during this part of the video is sort of what we do when we're on location together. It's so unusual for us to come home with images that are exactly the same. We come home with images that are totally different because we're doing completely different things standing side by side a lot of times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean my shots are just splashing um, water and very high speed frozen um, um, water droplets and J's are these smooth lines and very um, you know very typical of Jay's work. He loves waterfalls and he loves long shutter speeds um, to get those flow lines in the water. Now, Jay, would you say that your 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 style is more wide and landscapey and all-encompassing, and Verena is a detail-oriented photographer? Typically, that is true. <clears throat> Although, since we've been married for so long and shooting together for 
so long, we have sort of taken on each other's style. So when there's a light going crazy, <clears throat> sure, Raina will grab her long lens, I mean a wide-angle lens, and get those crazy beams of light coming through. And uh, <clears throat> I'll do exactly opposite, is I have shots of macros, of sea anemones and starfish and mm -hmm. things. They were taken with a very detail-oriented uh, goal in mind. But um, <clears throat> so there, yeah, that's the one. So the landscape photography course, uh, Fred, what it deals with is you go on a location and then you see um, on the video, you will see this beautiful beach with waves crashing all over the place. And then <clears throat> all of a sudden, you need to be able to focus down on two things that you really want to capture. And those two things cannot are not always the same for all the photographers. And what we do is we stand there, we record the audio, and we sort of explain how we chose the location, how we chose the details that we chose to shoot. And then it gives people a sense of what is possible. That, that is what is missing in most of the photography books or courses is you look at the wide vista and then you sort of narrow your focus down into three shots that just make you go wow and that's yeah. what we're trying to do you know one of the one of the things that I, I took away uh, from the clips that you guys sent me over was your excitement for being out there you know you guys sent me two set well three clips and in, in two of the clips one was Verena one was UJ and <laughs> at the end of it I think you both said independently of, independently of each other this is what it's all about. This, yes. this is, or something yeah. like, this is what makes life worth living, or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is like, you know, I mean, it wasn't faked. It was just like, you know, you guys were like really excited to be out there doing it. And it came through in the video. Yeah, so, it is, and it is for us. It is all about experience, right? So yeah. even in the enduro video, I think we summed it up that it doesn't matter how many times somebody has shot Grand Canyon, but when you're out there standing there in a freezing cold with a camera in the hand and the light beams going spectacular, yep. you cannot help but say, wow, I'm here and, and I'm doing this. Yeah. Well, here's, a, here's another shot. Let's talk about this one. Let me bring it up here. Um, yeah, here it is. Tell me about this one. And what what is that thing in the water that I'm looking at right there? <laughs> it's a platypus. And it has a it looks like what it looks like a duck bill. <laughs> it is a duck bill platypus. That's right. That is awesome. Yeah. And they're still around. How did you manage to get this shot? Tell me about the history of it. I mean, what's going on here? You know, we, you we went up well, Johnny took us up um, to Barrington Tops. Did I say that correctly, Johnny? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Johnny took us on this special trip, you know. He took us all up. Uh, it, he took Jay and I up to um, Barrington Tops. We hiked down this beautiful trail into the forest. And, um, you know, we, get, we didn't even get very far because I stopped to shoot and Jay stopped to shoot. And, you know, eventually we had to get back. So... Uh, we both would have liked to go further, but we get to this beautiful little pond, and there's a little waterfall, and Jay says, you know, I saw something in the water. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I think it might have been a platypus. You know, and, and I was like, really? I don't know. And Johnny's going, um, yeah, probably not, but okay, you know. And so we're we're looking, and pretty soon, sure enough, this little guy pops up, and there's no doubt, I mean, there's no doubt that it's a platypus. We're watching it. He must have come up, what, 
30, 40 times in the half an yeah. hour we were there. And he was just cruising around, doing his thing. I don't know if he's eating or what, but he was beautiful. But there's like, there's only there. like 12 of these on Earth right now. Johnny, tell us yeah. how many times have you seen platypus? Uh, look, you know, in 14 years, Fred, I think it's maybe that was my third platypus experience. And I'm talking, this wasn't just a platypus sighting. Like I've seen them pop up and go away. This was like we sat there for 15, 20 minutes with this thing playing around. It was amazing. Yeah. I've told some of the local staff back home and they're just blown away. They're just like, oh, my God, are you kidding? That's you know, crazy. some staff for 20 years in the parks never seen what we saw. So what an experience. Amazing. And to share we're it with Jay and Marina, awesome. We're there for 12 days and, we, you know, yeah. <laughs> we get to see a platypus. And, and, I mean, Brent, what were you saying? You were saying you had to drive you know, way up north. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had to go three months in the caravan and then we eventually saw one. You know, we had to go to a place where they they say they, they get they're there every day and we had to go like at sunrise and then we missed it and then we went at sunset and then we saw it. But yeah, that's the only one I've seen in the wild. That's, and I've been here ten great. years in this country. All right, guys. I want to I want to I want to switch gears a little bit before we wrap this up and uh, mm -hmm. and talk about just safety out there because I don't know you know but I haven't been to Australia yet one day I, I almost went to Tasmania but I haven't been there um, yet but I hear there are lots of dangerous things there that want to do you harm <laughs> so <laughs> right. you well, know how the worst thing were the drop bears right Jay All right, tell me about yeah, you say, yeah I mean drop bears are are according to Johnny and Brent, um, you know, they they told us we needed to be really careful. We needed to be watching the tree branches above us, and uh, you know that the drop bears would drop out of the trees, grab our skulls, and and yeah. gnaw on yeah. our heads. Yeah. Right? What? <laughs> 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 you say that like it's like it's a mosquito bite or something. Like, yeah, bears drop out of the trees, grab yeah. your skull, and gnaw on your head. I can't imagine anything worse than that. Right. So yeah, apparently though that's um, you know not it's uh, um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he almost had us going with the drop bears, but uh but yeah, I mean I think you know they the, the next thing they told me after telling me about the drop bears and then the hoop snakes was that uh there were uh blue-ringed octopus um that I, I needed to watch out for the blue-ringed octopus that could sometimes hang out in the tide pools and of course having heard about the drop bears then I was like oh yeah yeah sure 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 you uh, know yeah. whatever well Fooling it turns once. out there actually really are blue-ringed octopus yes uh, <laughs> octopi is yeah octopi is Okay wait wait just I don't so, know. wait before you continue just yeah. so I'm clear there are no drop bears, okay? No, no, there are no drop bears. <laughs> but so I'm safe. I can go to Australia a... one day, and I don't have to worry about my skull being gnawed on. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're going to be okay. I kind of like my skull the way it is. I don't... Yeah, well, don't worry yeah. about it. Okay. So, but... what's the, so the blue-ringed blue -ringed octopus, what, yeah. what's the deal with that? This is apparently a very real creature, a beautiful little thing, but um, it can kill you. So, yes. so there's that. Of course, there are there are um, snakes and there are um, um, spiders. Yeah, spiders. Oh, yeah, there's spiders. Oof. Yes. One of one of the uh, women who came with us on the workshop actually posted a photo of a spider that she said she she was hanging clothes in in the backyard. You know, hanging them on the line, mm -hmm. and she turned around and there was a spider the size of her fist. That's just its body, not including its legs. You know, and hanging right there she had a photo of it she had her hand up in front of the camera and it was you know its body was that big and 
So that's not a spider. That's a crab. I mean, it's a small dog. I mean, <laughs> chihuahua. <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's the food that you feed them, right? Chihuahuas. Yeah. All right. Brent's trying to remind us over there that there are koalas. We saw a koala while we were there. Nice. A couple of them, actually. And, uh, of course, they're not, I don't think they're all that dangerous, right, Brent? <laughs> mm -hmm. I, you don't want to pick one up, though. No, 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 no. Because they, they will gnaw on your skull, down, but... apparently. Yes, <laughs> right. they can turn into a drop bay. Yeah, they can. Yeah. But there are, there are uh, dangerous creatures out there. The thing is, you know, we talked to um, one of the park rangers, which is a really neat opportunity, and that interview is actually included in the course, so that's really cool. Um, but, you know, she was saying that the the thing to do is just to give them their space. She said most of the time they're not going to approach you. Uh, if you see one, don't approach it. Give it its space and just, and you know, yeah, let it let it go on its way. So, yeah. um, you know, as a photographer, I think what you take away from that is that, no, it's not okay to, you know, chase the the drop bears and try and get photos in there. You know, no flash in the face. They don't like it. Yeah, you're a visitor. Be respectful. It's like and very in, in in any bad neighborhood, right? Just be, be respectful. Exactly. That's right. Uh, so Verena and I were wearing some really good safety shoes, and I think there's an actually a photograph of Verena's feet being burnt with the uh, with the lines of her what we call in Australia thongs, but I know that they uh -oh. are something else in in the states. Uh, <laughs> I think because <laughs> you wouldn't wear, be wearing a thong on your on your feet, right? So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so those are the safety boots or that, that Verena and I were wearing because it was pretty hot and, uh, and mine actually had a blowout walking over the rocks while I was filming Jay and Verena with the, with the uh, glide cam. So, yeah, a little bit of a casualty while filming. Wow. That's right. So he ended up damaging his thongs and I ended up with uh, really interesting burn marks on my feet because the, <laughs> the you know, sunscreen gets worn off. As you as you walk around, you know, really, I'm putting sunscreen on the top of my feet every day, but it didn't well, work. So yeah, yeah. because yeah. I, you know, I hear the sun is about I don't know 100, 200,000 miles closer to the Earth in Australia, right? So it's a little, <laughs> well, it's a little you know, bit hotter down there. <laughs> it's high summer down there. You know, it's up here. My kids are yeah. complaining because it's freezing cold, and then they're rejoicing because they get two days off of school because of the freezing cold weather. And I'm down in Australia, going, you know. Sun worship. It, I mean, it's just wonderful. <laughs> but, but, well, guys, let's, 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 I want to be respectful of your time, so let's let's close this off and just yeah. uh, the course itself. I know you guys are going to, you're launching, we're recording this, it's the 4th of February, so the course is going live when? Can we expect it to hit the shelves virtually? We're going to pre-release it pretty soon, in the next couple of days. Okay. So if you, if you sign up to the, um, or if you register for a pre-release copy, uh, and I know, uh, I think uh, Jay sent you a, a link, uh, Frederick. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can people can pre-register there and get a uh, early copy of the course at a discounted rate. Okay. And then I'm not quite sure when we can actually launch it. So we, okay. <laughs> we we're still working on that. We're working day and night, and and that's something that I really respect from from Jay and Verena and and Johnny and Russell. Is I mean we all work damn hard. Uh, and I, and when Jay and Verena were in Australia filming with me, I don't know how they 
survive on such little sleep. I mean, we were getting like four hours a night for ten days, mm. and it's just I suppose it's a passion for for I, landscape I know photography what their that was driving us. <laughs> I know what their secret is. Gummy bears. You know, do you know how many children they have? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> ankle weights, man. Ankle weights. <laughs> ankle biters. Ankle biters. Ankle biters. Yeah, they're calling them ankle biters. Oh. Ankle biters. Now, are you guys going to be able to kick down any special discounts or anything pre-launch, or are we just you absolutely? Know, of course, Fred. Bring Would it. We we of course we you know we love you we know we we, we love your viewers and your listeners so yep we're going to give you guys a 25% discount awesome. and like i said uh -huh. you're just going to sign up uh you know pre-register and then we will send that out to you and make sure you have the information you need to get that discount awesome perfect so so I love that. So you're so you're gonna sign up. So if I go there and I'll sign up for the list, and then when Brent, when you guys are ready to push this thing out, I'll get a notification that says, yep. "Hey, you know, you can sign up." And if I have, if you will give some sort of coupon code or something, then they can go and sign up and purchase yep. it for the twin. What's the price gonna be of the, the course? One ninety-seven. The, the regular. Yeah, the regular price for the course is one ninety seven. With a discount okay. price, it'll be less than one hundred and fifty dollars. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. God, that's a awesome. that's kind of cheap for all this pain and suffering you guys. Oh, <laughs> are you suggesting that we charge more, Frederick? More. I, you know, <laughs> I would have charged two ninety seven. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay, two ninety seven. Sorry, mistake. For Swift listeners, three hundred bucks. No, that's a great price. That was my argument too, Fred. I, I said we should uh, we should ch charge more, but um, Verena and Jay wanted it available to everyone, and, yeah. and at a yeah, at, at a good good rate. So I guess that's you know the price of a uh, a good circular polarizing filter. Yeah. Really. I mean, yeah. at least for us in Australia. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then just the last question on that: What's how will it be delivered? Are you going to ship DVDs? Is this electronic delivery? Do I download an MP4? How does it How does it go? Instant download. So you you go you go to the the lessons on my website and you view the the course. Uh, instantly, straight okay. away, and you get to download all the raw images and the layered Photoshop files from Jay and Verena. You can watch, you can actually edit along the, the original images with them, so it's as if you, you got like a one-on-one -on -one tuition, and there's, there's plenty of other things in there, so it's, yeah, it's instant. Wow, that's great. We have, um, so far, Fred, just FYI for your viewers, is we have four and a half hours of content. About two-thirds of it is on-location content. Mm -hmm. Um, we also give um, the raw file, so once we walk through the editing process, they can actually just take the raw file and edit it in themselves and see how, what a big difference, like four adjustments, wow. five adjustments in raw converter. We give them the opportunity to work alongside us while we're working and then also to try it out on their own using the same images because sometimes, you know, it's just not the same if you're working from a different image. It, Sometimes, work out always. yeah, you're you're not sure if you're doing it right or or whatever it is. This way, you have that opportunity. So, yeah, we felt that that was pretty important to include. And that's and maybe yeah. right now you should talk about the case studies. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We should mention that quickly. We actually have um, a series of case studies that we did on location, and these are uh, where we went in. Um, we were on location, we were explaining the process, everything from what equipment we were using to why we chose the location to how we handled the light, um, everything in the field. And then we took it in the same images that we show you 
um, you know, the process for in the field. We take those same images in, we open them up and um, work through the entire post-processing um, right there and show you how we do it. And then, of course, those are the same raw files that you're, you're going to get when you download the, the collection. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on this. I want to play with it. I want, oh, to, I want sure. to watch. I want to learn. That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. All right, guys, let's, let's, let's wrap it up. So, Brent, where, where are you at? Where are you, what's your website where people can go check you out and some of the other projects that you're working on? Yep, Brent Mail Photography. So, mail like in the mailman. And um, you can just go up there and you can sign up for free to my, to my tips. And, uh, yeah, check me out over there. And um, also, Verena and Jay learned a couple of new words, especially from Johnny. So we'll we'll uh, we'll have to hear that at the end. So. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll close we'll close with that. We'll sign off with that. So so Jay, what about you? Where where is all your stuff located online? Oh, it's very easy to find my stuff. JayPatelPhotography.com, and um, you can sign up for our mailing list over there. Um, and uh, we have other exciting projects coming up, which um, hopefully in the next show we'll. We'll bring that on, Fred. Awesome. You guys are always working on something. You guys are like the this, this serial <laughs> entrepreneur content creator couple. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We love what we do. Uh, well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Brent. Or, I'm sorry, Johnny. What about you? Where, where are you at online? Yeah, you can find me at uh, johnnyspencer.com. So that's uh, Johnny with one N. And I just want to add this. I am so excited about this landscape course. Um, the well, it was about 14 days all up that I spent with Jay and Verena and just that insight being with them has just, it's excelled my photography like like nothing else. And I recommend if you get this course, you're going to just get so much information. It's going to take your photography to the next level. So, yeah, stay tuned. It's awesome. In that, I mean, that's interesting. Me, I mean, you, you raise a great point because... Like I was saying in the beginning, there's a ton of free resources online that you can kind of cobble together to kind of learn. Yeah. You can go buy books. You can subscribe to these learning sites or you can get videos and take workshops and all this stuff and kind of put it together. But to get the concentrated injection of this is how people that make the kind of images that Jay and Verena make, yep. this is how they do it. Soup to nuts. You know, these yep. are the it's... this is it right here. If you go through these four hours you will get a big head start. You're not going to be Jay and Verena, but you'll get a big head start on how to so get... You yeah, you'll, you'll be a, you have a good vector towards what they're doing. I think it's you know, definitely valuable. So, Verena, what about you? Where, where are you at? Where can people find you online? You can find me at photographybyverena.com. And, uh, yeah, we, we do. We have big things in the works coming up, and we're looking forward to talking with you again about those things. So... But we're not we're not telling yet. It's a big secret. We're really yeah. excited. But um, and yeah, I mean, we have spent almost the entire no, literally the entire month of January working on these um, these this course yeah. and you know getting it ready and getting it out to to people. So yeah, I mean, just one track mind. That's good. And on <laughs> on to the next one. I love That's it. Right. All right, Verena, right. while, while you're talking here, give me your uh, your Australian word that oh. you learned while you were down under. Okay, no, I have a whole phrase. Uh-oh. I'm good, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hang on, let me see if I can do it. Okay, Old Mate Fisho. What? Uh -oh. Wait, wait, wait. Old Mate Fisho. I told you, Frederick. No, Old Mad Fisho. <laughs> no, Old, old Mate. Old mate. Old mate. <laughs> oh, jeez, he's doing it wrong. Old Mate Fisho is... Drinking beer from the esky, half with cut, his bogan. half cut bogan mate. 
Yes. <laughs> wow. No, it's not really wrong. Now the question is, can Jay can Jay translate that into you know real people English? Yeah. <laughs> well, you 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 did it wrong though. So. No. All right, Jay. I want to hear. You know, I'm I'm particularly interested in hearing your Australian accent because you got another <laughs> accent in there. I I have to tell you, Fred. I tried to do Australian accent. I was laughing so hard that I was actually crying, and that whole episode <laughs> is captured in a video that I'm going to send you. You have to send me that. I and need to see that. And you can actually put it out for your viewers at some point in time. And yes. I, I just was, in fact, Brent was having stomach cramps because he was on the film camera and he couldn't move and he was laughing so hard. I need I that clip. That's exactly it. Brent and Johnny were trying not to laugh. They're choking behind the camera, trying to be quiet, you know, and Jay and I were just keeling over with laughter. It was, yeah, we'll send you that one. That clip needs to be on YouTube and I need to play that whenever I feel low or depressed. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. In fact, we'll, we'll try to send it as soon as... Um, as soon as we get a uh, final And Fred, Fred, I think that kind of sums up the whole experience with Jay, Verena, Johnny, and I. It was, it was so much fun. I've never had, I've, I've actually never had that much fun no, creating neither. something this good in, in my life. I was, uh, you know, I was actually so sad to see them go. And so was my daughter. She, she really got attached to, um, to Jay and Verena because they were staying with me downstairs in my studio. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, we really miss them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they have that effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we right. miss you guys. We sure do. We miss. We'll have to come down there again as soon as possible. And we're going to come down to California too. It's been too long, man. Yep. All right, guys. So I will. Uh, I'll take that link, Jay, that you sent me. I'll put it in the description for this video on YouTube and also uh, on the blog post on this week in photo when this episode goes live. So folks will be able to find it pretty much any place that uh, that's connected with Twip. So I'm looking forward to seeing it, seeing it. I'm looking forward to playing it. It's going to be on my iPad. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I have a couple of trips coming up, so I'm going to watch it on the plane. That's what I do, you know. So. Yeah. And give us, yeah. leave us some feedback, please. We would really appreciate yeah. it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Cool, guys. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Once again, this was a behind-the-scenes look at the Ultimate Landscape Photography course with uh, featuring the stars of the landscape photography world, Jay and Verena Patel, produced by Brent Mail and Johnny Spencer, the powerhouse Australian team that made this thing happen despite lack of bandwidth to the continent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were awesome. All yeah. right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Thanks for having you. us. Thanks, Fred. Cheers. Yep. Bye -bye. Smash it, bro. <laughs> <laughs>